0: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hello, Ms. Keegan. Hello, hello. So we didn't do our usual full catch-up before we started recording. We kind of just got down to business today. So how mm-hmm. are you doing other than being tired? Like I know.
1: Me. <laughs> that was essentially our full um, check-in was that we were both really tired. I'm I'm okay you know, it's another one of those weeks in quarantine where it's like, you know, it's not great. It's not bad. It's just kind of like, it is same old same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I
0: feel like you get into routines. And what I will say is like, maybe try and find something to shake your routine up that might help a little bit. Like I've been working out all week. I'm doing this challenge that will have me working out until next month, hopefully, if I follow through with it. And as much as you've been doing great. Thank you. As much as I hate working out, The change in the routine is nice from, like, doing the same thing every single day, you know, and I'm sure this will get tiring at some point as well, but.
1: Yeah, I think that's really the thing is that there's, like, the monotony of your everyday life at times just gets so boring and mundane but you know i have i always have like little things to look forward to like we're gonna finish the series finale of veep after this and you know oh, little, nice little things like that that you get excited about right yeah um and it's also it's been mm-hmm. so hot off and on here and i'm loving swimming while i'm at work it's like that's kind of making my summer i'm just immediately like t want to go swimming and he's like yeah and then we can spend like two hours outside it's so perfect
0: yeah because it's supposed to be like hot not that like everybody else in the country cares about what our weather is like But (laughs) i mean it's supposed to be like a hundred on saturday and sunday so yeah it's gonna get hot tomorrow too
1: or today i guess for listeners Uh, well, I figure we should probably get into the news unless there's something else that you want to share.
0: No, that's it. So I know that you have something that you are excited to talk about. Excited might be the wrong word. I was going to say, definitely
1: not excited. It's definitely really horrifying and it's kind of... Uh, It's something that I saw on Instagram shortly before we recorded, maybe like two hours ago, and it was about femicide in Mexico. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about the femicide in Turkey with, you know, the black and white photo challenge and everything like that. And this is another one that is really, really horrible, not being um, reported enough, I feel like. So Women in Mexico are being murdered at an alarming rate but their president Andrés Manuel López Obrador says most of the claims are false. Mm. So,
0: yeah, I'm so, sorry. What how do you fake a, I mean, I know that it can be done, but you're wait. talking about massive
1: it's fakes it's, of murders. It's very interesting. It's like it's not so much just He's saying not that not just about the murders, but about like the hotline calls like this guy kind of he reminds me a bit of Trump in the way he talks kind of likes to pat himself on the back and stuff. I don't know much about this guy. So if we have any Mexican listeners and I'm totally off base, let me know. But um, essentially, since the stay at home orders were put into place on March 23rd, there's been an increase in murders of women. April was the deadliest month in the last five years and 267 women and girls were killed in just the month of April. Um, President Lopez Obrador blames the, quote, neoliberal governing models of the presidents before him. And he also stated that 90% of those calls, referring to, like, hotline and emergency calls, that serve as your base are false. It's proven. There was a record... He didn't say this part. (laughs) There was a record of 26,171 emergency calls about violence against women in March. So... The reason that the president is saying that the calls are false uh, is actually because they are listed as incomplete. So this woman, Maria Seguero, who is a Mexican femicide investigator, says it's not that the calls are false. It's more that the calls weren't followed through to completion. So they're considered incomplete. Also, sometimes calls come from neighbors and authorities don't always go to the neighbor's house for a follow-up statement. And also sometimes victims who are afraid to even call, once the authorities have come to the house, they may back out of wanting to press charges. And then again, that call will be listed as incomplete. So the numbers, the actual numbers are from January to April, 2020, 987 women and girls were murdered. But what they're saying is that only 308, I shouldn't say only, but 308 femicides, according to the government. Presidents
0: throughout Mexico, like. Totally? Or is it in a specific place? Because I know know, that there's a big issue with like missing and murdered women in Juarez in particular. I don't know, because I got this from a CNN article, and it was a bit broad. Like I said, I found this a little bit before,
1: but it's definitely something to look into. Um, It seems I mean, these are pretty astronomical numbers, I would assume that this is happening in multiple areas. If this was happening in just one city, that would be Mm -hmm. even more, you know, what's going on? Like, what are they drinking over there that's making all this happen? Um, President Lopez Obrador also says that women are being killed because of, and are you ready to get mad? Demi- oh. <laughs> Demise of family cohesion and isolation. He says. I know. He says when I... Sh- when isolation occurs, this culture perhaps causes grievances, confrontation, and violence. And then well, kind of like, true. well, that is like, true. It is. It totally is. But then he kind of like backtracks, and it's like, I, but I mean, we're not like it's not super violent. Like it's not super. You know what I mean? He's trying to kind of play both sides.
0: Yeah, because here's the thing. Like what he's saying is true. Like that's why we're seeing an escalation in domestic violences, like uh, domestic violence incidents within homes all across the world. Like yeah. in the United States. Everywhere. I mean, it was part of what our conversation was about the femicides that are going on in Turkey and what has caused that to spike in a way that it hasn't in recent years. Uh, A lot of it is to do with the fact that there's no reprieve from it. uh, If you're in a violent relationship, what he is failing to say is that it's not a breakdown in family values, which I thought is what he was about to say. Yes, family cohesion. Yeah. But it's, it's, these instances are occurring because you have an abuser in the home. Like, let's address like the fact that these men are abusers. They're not doing this necessarily because they're in isolation. Like, yes, it, it, it exacerbates the issue, but it's not the root cause of the problem.
1: Oh, exactly. So the government has actually put these ads out this campaign uh, about how to prevent domestic violence disputes. And it's absolutely absurd. There's this, commercial of like the family like fighting and then they recommend to stop and count to 10 and then wave your white flag of peace and in the commercial it's like a family waving their white flags and smiling and perla acosta galindo who's the director of a women's center said counting to 10 won't help especially when you're attacked and that's just a no-brainer or else, no one would get attacked, and that
0: works. <laughs> Look, I mean, there there is some logic and science behind. It. It's why we tell children to do that whole thing where, like, you deescalate, you count to ten, whatever. Like, I understand that, but this sounds like they are not really taking a look at what the issue is. And what the issue is, is domestic violence and domestic violence abusers. And if you've ever seen people or known people who are in that situation, it is a chronic situation. Counting to 10, it's about control and power uh, and violence. And counting to 10 is not going to um, help. Even if, even if, For whatever reason, counting to 10 in that one dispute managed to de-escalate it somehow. um, It's not in the long term actually going to solve the problem or make these women safe.
1: Oh, exactly. And that's, you know, these women's advocates, you know, whole point. It's like, you know, you can say to count to 10 and to breathe and to, you know, hold up your white flag of peace and say, you know, I give in. But that's not that's not solving any problem. You know, there was somebody that quoted it essentially saying that it was like a band-aid. To the problem, saying, like, look, we we did something about it, we've got these ads out, but at the same time, the, there's nothing being done. Like uh, this woman, also, the woman at the end, Perla Acosta Galinda, said that she, you know, there has to be policies changed. There has to be exactly. funding. There have to be yes. shelters for women. You know, coming mm-hmm. out with this like cheeky ad campaign isn't going to make any real direct change. Right.
0: I mean, we've had these conversations. We've had an episode on domestic violence and we've had an episode on toxic masculinity. And it's like, unless you start addressing the root cause of these problems as a culture, um, managing, to deescalate any given situation for a moment isn't in the long term going to do any good. Like you have to start changing the mentality of the culture. You have to start holding people, uh, men specifically in this situation, accountable for what they're doing and not excuse that behavior uh, or say that it's a family cohesion problem. Like, it's not, there's a family cohesion problem because there's a domestic abuse problem. Exactly. And the thing that's
1: so upsetting is that, you know, there are so many calls coming in, there are so many women and girls asking for help, yet these calls are all listed as incomplete. These officers that are coming, the authorities that are coming to help These women are not following through with the protocol that they are supposed to. And they're not realizing that by coming into the home, you could be making it more dangerous for the woman. You know, there just doesn't seem to be anything in place for authorities to be able to give these women a safe outlet to report their abuser.
0: Yeah. I mean, because we've addressed this before again, you know, in our domestic violence episode specifically, if anybody wants to go back and reference that episode. But You're absolutely right. Like going in and kind of just pretending to help, because that's kind of what it sounds like to me. They're like, oh, we have to go check this box that we went in and checked on this person. If you're not actually ready to really help and give the appropriate resources to help, you are most likely making the situation worse because what happens for that person when you leave and now? their abuser feels like they're called out. They feel um, embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, their pride is wounded. And now you've left this woman in this very vulnerable, dangerous situation.
1: Well, and that's why it's also important. You know, they were talking about how – authorities won't go to the neighbors and have a follow-up if the neighbor is the one that called. And I feel like that's a really important thing to think of, that if there's somebody else that maybe is hearing things more constant and can give you a statement that can maybe help you help this woman better, you know, you, again, you're letting some someone slip through the cracks by not taking every avenue possible to ensure the safety, you
0: know. Yeah. And I realize that it's difficult because even here in the United States, it's like, very often in domestic abuse situations, it's like if you don't have any visible marks and it's just kind of like a he said, she said situation, even if the neighbor did hear something. And again, so many domestic violence uh, victims won't feel comfortable in front of their abuser saying anything. So if, oh, yeah. if, if you don't get a statement out of that person, um, then you will just leave because there's really not a lot that, legally you can do and that's what makes these situations so difficult but they need if it's if it's a problem like this where people are dying so regularly they need to come up with another solution on like a legislative level like they need to come up with another solution because what they're doing is not working clearly and in fact they're probably making women less safe
1: yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it just sounds like they're making it a joke, especially with the commercial. It's just, it's yeah. not taking the situation seriously, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really sound like it's even giving any real resources. You know what I mean? It's ju- well, It just yeah. seems silly,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. All right, my dear. Should we move on? Yeah, okay. So... I know we are planning on, spoiler alert to our listeners, we are going to be talking about the kind of like history and record of Biden and his new VP pick, Kamala Harris, on our next full-length episode. But I really do feel like, first of all, that episode is bound to be long anyway. We should probably get some of our thoughts out now. And I also know that listeners are probably – waiting to hear what our thoughts are because they're they're very very complex for me they're my feelings are very complex about this situation so on tuesday uh, august 11th biden chose kamala harris as his running mate uh which was predicted like i kind of had a feeling that that's where it was going right and it is okay let me try and break this down in a way that makes sense I'm having a lot of very complicated emotions about it, because on the one hand, Kamala Harris is smart. She is capable. She is articulate. She is the daughter of immigrants. She is a breakthrough for women of color. She is the first African-American woman to run on a major party ticket. She's the first Asian-American woman to run on a major party ticket, and she will be the first black vice president if elected. It's incredible it's you know historic all of those things she's incredibly well spoken she's done a lot of incredible things however i think it is super important let me preface all of this by saying you, ha- you have to vote for joe biden and kamala harris yes like, you have to you, you don't have a to. choice i mean you don't Not really. Like, we're it- telling you If you're our listener and, you know, your politics align with ours, there is no choice here. There is no choice. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Uh, You have to vote for them. However, I do think that it is important, especially for us as people who just came out of saying defund the police, defund the police. It is it is very hard to support someone who has a record like Kamala Harris's record and Joe Biden's record. Joe Biden, I mean, fully supported mass incarceration. Um, He voted to militarize the police and Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris enforced all of those policies. Right. Um, And the thing is that especially
1: from what the research I've done so far and just from what I know, it sounds like in a lot of ways, you know, Joe Biden has maybe like lessened up on a few of those things, but they're definitely still there. Like if you go on Politico and just kind of look through all of his like beliefs and what he would want to do with president, it is, I mean, obviously incredibly,
0: incredibly moderate, you know? Right. I mean, what we're talking about here with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden is we're talking about two very safe democratic choices. Right. Um, They're very safe in that way. And That's not necessarily to say that they will be bad. All that I'm trying to say, because it's why I've had such a hard time kind of voicing my opinion about this since it has been announced, is because I don't really want to be attacked (laughs) for being critical. Right. But but I, I don't I don't think that you
1: have any reason to feel badly for how you feel, because I wasn't particularly thrilled with it either i made that known i believe on my story on instagram where it's just kind of like here are some positives i guess to look forward to because there are positives but like you know we've said this for over a year tracking this whole thing you know this isn't the outcome that we wanted you know but it's the outcome that we got you know and i completely agree with you when you look into both of their track records especially with mass incarceration Uh, It's incredibly troubling in the state of our nation right now that we would have uh, somebody that isn't willing to enforce a more radical change.
0: Right. I mean, and who knows where she's at now? I mean, she's kind of done a bit of a 180 uh, because as... She wrote in her book that she considered herself to be a top cop and that if she had a choice, she would hire more police officers and put more police officers on the street. And then, you know, amid national outrage about the killing of Michael Brown in 2014 in Ferguson, Missouri, she was asked, like, you know, the entire world was in an uproar. I was here in Los Angeles marching in the streets in 2014, like same Mm -hmm. kind of thing. What was happening whenever she was working in San Francisco is as a district attorney, she was being asked to investigate police shootings and she wouldn't do it. And now she's kind of saying, like, I stand with Black Lives Matter. My parents met amongst civil rights protests. Right. Um, all of I these mean, things. It's and one it of those things it's very-, very pandery to me. It feels like she's pandering yes. because that's where the nation is right now. And she wants to appeal, especially as a black woman. Yeah. She has to appeal. She
1: has to appeal to that vote. And I'm hoping that the pressure that, you know, Americans will put on them if they are elected. I, I I feel like I need to be saying when they're elected just to put the positive vibes out there. But I don't know. But I'm hoping that, you know, both of them seem to be people pleasers. I'm hoping that that continues you know, if they well, get into office in some way, you know. Here's
0: the thing: I I think Joe Biden is a people pleaser. Right. I don't think that Kamala Harris is a people pleaser. Yeah, I you're right. I think that she's got really strong opinions. I think that she well, is. Well, she's a politician. super smart. Yeah, she's she's super very smart. smart. And I think that she's a politician and I think that her choices that she made as a district attorney and a prosecutor were political choices um, for her to get ahead. I that, But that's my issue with Kamala Harris is that I don't know what you believe. That's my problem is because I'm like you. If you stand for nothing, Burr, what do you fall for? I'm again, sorry. I had to do it. I had to but, do it. I, and I, I hate saying it like that because I do think that she has had some incredible moments where she is like tearing people apart and asking yeah. the hard questions and being this incredible, strong woman. And I don't want to take any of that away.
1: Yeah, and that's part of the reason that Trump is scared of her too, which is a Absolutely. plus. Yeah, you know? yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I I have hope. I'm feeling hopeful, but hesitant. I need for her to address, and I'm sure she will, but I need for her to not only address her past record, uh, but also to... Kind of move forward in such a way that makes me believe that things will be different from right, here having, on out. Having
1: having her actions uh, mirror the things that she's saying, I think. Yes, is, I mean that's yeah. that's all that we want with all of our candidates. You know, especially when somebody is running for office, there's a lot of promises being made, and there's a lot of things that they say they want to do. Um, and we all we can do is hope that you know, we're voting for the right people and that they're going to follow through. And you know what? That's just the really shitty thing about this election is that it, it doesn't really truly feel, to me at least, like a true victory, especially because of everything that's happened since, you know, the coronavirus came to the U.S. It's really disheartening not to see somebody that wants to take a more radical, uh, you know, change to this country. But at the same time, I'm hoping that, like so many other Americans, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have, you know, maybe I don't know if seeing the light is the right way of putting it, but maybe educated themselves a bit themselves a bit more. Maybe they're starting to see things change a little bit, and maybe they're just maybe they're seeing how important it is, even if they don't fully believe in it. Maybe they're seeing how important it is to back it.
0: The thing is, this is what's so shitty about this. I mean. In the past, I'm sure if we had been paying this much attention to the candidates in the past, we would have similar issues because at the end of the day, they're politicians. I've said this on this podcast about Barack Obama and a lot of the things in his policies that I don't agree with. I mean, at the end of the day, they're politicians. They have absolutely done things that do not line up with my ideals um, and my moral beliefs. Like, Mm -hmm. of course they have, because politics is a game yeah that's the thing is we're not politicians we don't think that way right to get to the top you have to play that game that is just kind of the way that it works Um, but I do think taught me that Yes. I think it's yeah house of cards. I mean, yeah. I think that it's important to both celebrate the fact that this is historical yeah. uh, and incredible. And we do have somebody who is smart and capable, mm-hmm. uh, who is in this kind of position right now. And it's incredible for black women. And it's super incredible credible for Indians and Indian Americans. I just watched um, a now this video where they even went to India and they were talking to people and people in India are very excited and yeah. proud well, about the it's, fact.
1: It's positive representation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if yes. she's an American, she's representing them in a way. Well, and- yes, her I mean, mom be- is Indian. Yes, exactly. From India. you yeah, know. <laughs> like she and and because of how historic this is, you know, again, that's a lot of weight on her shoulders. She's representing a lot of people that need to be represented. Yeah,
0: I mean, and I will say, like, this is not a reason to vote for somebody. Again, I totally believe, and we will continue to hold these people accountable and be critical of them. But I will say, whenever she went and spoke with Joe Biden, when they kind of had their first uh, public speaking engagement after the VP nomination came out, I watched it, and she is so... God, I hate I hate to say this about a female candidate (laughs) makes me feel like a bad feminist. But she was so cute like she because because she was so excited and like you could tell you could see how excited she was and how happy she was um, and how proud she was. And I love to see that. I really Mm -hmm. do. I just want people I just want people to not blindly say, Mm -hmm. you know, skin folk ain't kinfolk just because she looks like you doesn't mean she stands for you um so i've I think never heard
1: b- that phrase before and i love <laughs> it skinfolk I, isn't kinfolk
0: i i heard it before and then i heard it again on daily zeitgeist and i was like that's exactly right um, i love it that's so true because just because i i want just people to be critical of the fact that yeah. like just because she's a woman just because she's a woman of color does not mean that everything that she does is perfect and it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that everything she does is going to represent you so uh, while i think all of us need to rally and vote for biden harris um we also need to be critical of these people and hold them accountable hold their feet to the fire exactly yep always well i want to mention
1: one other thing that i did some research on really quick and that is the fact that there are so many students and staff that have had to be quarantined in this country after going back to school. I'm sure you all have seen the photo (laughs) on Instagram of Georgia. That was the other thing
0: I was going to bring up today if we had time. Mm -hmm. It's just like this is
1: something like I go full mama bear with this stuff.
0: I love the kid I
1: take care of. I love his friends. I get very, very worked up when I see parents putting their kids in that's danger. what I was gonna
0: say is because it it's drives like yes, me crazy the government has done this but it's also parents because like I, I, I don't have a kid and I'm absolutely certain that being home with your kid while trying to work from home I hear my co-workers on zoom calls yeah. I know that it is so hard and I understand wanting to get your kids back into school. But there is no way I would let my kid go back to school right now. Are you kidding me?
1: And, you know, there are studies that say that, you know, kids not interacting with other kids is really hard on their psyche in their formative years. But honestly, if you are keeping your kid alive, to me, that is the most important thing. And the biggest thing that i want to say is that you know there's this belief i think in a lot of parts of the country that children can't get infected with covid-19 and that's just not true um over the last 4 weeks there's been a 90% increase in covid cases among children i got that back from the american academy of pediatrics and 90 children have died in the us due to covid-19 so it's not like kids can't get sick i see kids without masks all the time You know, it's just really upsetting. So remember the fact that we have to keep everybody safe, you know, not just our immunocompromised and our elderly. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure that you've seen the picture. Most people in the United States have seen this picture. But a school opened in Georgia and a student took a photo. There were very few kids in masks and they were packed into this hallway like sardines. Oh, my gosh. And this girl, she's a 10th grader. She... Was suspended From school for posting this this Picture Uh uh, And they reversed that decision Only because her Story went viral which is Uh really Fucked up the fact that she was suspended in the first place Is wild to me Um, Well yeah But it was reversed once the photo went viral. But I think in that school, they closed down partially from bad publicity from that photo. But they had like nine cases. They had like nine cases in their school from only being open like a week or so right and 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 that
1: nine cases is putting 1100 students and staff in quarantine and then there's another school in Gwinnett County which is Georgia's largest school district um, that had to quarantine staff before classes even started because there was 28 confirmed cases by August 5th so now they're going to be starting virtual classes on Wednesday and similar instances have happened in Alabama Mississippi Oklahoma Indiana it's just happening all over the place. Happening in Florida, of course. Sorry to Florida listeners, but what's going I mean, on in Florida? I mean, they know. They know. They know. It's okay. They know. Well, um, and it's
0: so upsetting because, like, right now, California is doing horribly. Oh, it's just, like... I think I've said this many times, but, I mean, every time I go out, like, if I'm going somewhere to pick something up... People are out. They are out. And yes, most people that I see are wearing masks. But if you are out eating, you can't have a mask on. No. Nope. So I just want people to think about this. Like, I understand I'm not trying to massively guilt anyone or anything like that. But like, just think about it next time that you go out to eat. You are putting, yes, that person needs a job. But you are putting the person who works, who's probably making something like $3 an hour as yeah. a server at massive risk yeah um and i'm again i'm not saying well, you can't do anything or or whatever but just like just keep it in the back of your mind right well and the other thing too i read this somewhere online that it's like
1: typically like restaurant workers i'm sure it's different now with covid going on but like i remember when i worked at starbucks if i was sick and i couldn't find someone to cover my shift i still had to go and work uh-huh like yeah. i couldn't even oh, yeah. I, you know what i mean like you need someone to cover your shift or else you have to go in so it's kind of like, you know, you could also be putting yourself in danger, too, if you think about it. So it just makes sense. And the last thing I want to say just about masks in general, that I just don't get why people don't want to wear them. Because to me, it's just like an added accessory to what I wear every day.
0: Well, did I already we've say this in the about, last episode? Yes, we, we did. And we, we did talk about this before. And I will say, again, like I said before, I understand it. Because to me, yes, it's an accessory, but it is uncomfortable for me. Like I don't like oh, having so it on, especially it. especially with how hot it is. Uh, the second I'm in my car, I take it off because I do find it easier to breathe without it. However, it is a small, tiny, minuscule price to pay yeah. for protecting your community and the people around you. It is It it, it doesn't make any sense I mean we could go on and on Right now Sturgis The huge motorcycle rally Is happening in South Dakota Where 25,000 people are gathered And they're not wearing masks at all Yeah Um, I mean I gotta say
1: Like in the beginning I had a really hard time Breathing in the mask I've had to wear it a lot And I've gotten used to it I don't know if it's just the certain mask that I have now That's also It's very soft and comfortable But I'll put it on And I'll be driving in my car And forget that I have it on
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I take my mask off right away. So I mean I get I get I get it. I'm not trying yeah. to say that like they're super comfy and I enjoy them, but that's not the point. Yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't being inconvenienced and uncomfortable is not oppression. Sorry. Yeah. Like that's not how this works. <laughs> um and I just wanted to point out as well before we end this episode, that that girl uh, who got suspended for posting that picture in Georgia, she is now receiving death threats. Her and her family are now receiving death threats. Of course For just telling the truth about the situation and trying to keep herself and her um, fellow classmates and teachers safe. Yeah. And it's... it's Well, you know what? History, history is, is, so is going to remember
1: it differently. You know what I mean? That's, up. A, that's everything you have to think of. It's like, you know what? Those people...
0: I know like she
1: did something that was so helpful it breaks my
0: heart for this 15 year old girl though because it's just like she's a baby and like that is such a like high school's hard enough I know know, and now you're having to deal with this it's just bullshit but anyway
1: anyway so that is our episode for you today if there's anything that you all would like us to talk about next week, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram and follow us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at YAMP Podcast, Y
0: A N F
1: Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. And if you haven't already, go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will feature you on Reviews Day Tuesday. Last but not least, if you don't already, listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit.
0: With all that being said, we
1: encourage you
0: to to rage on. Bye. Bye. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter.
1: I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better.
0: Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz.